0: You might not want to face them, but you have to. You're listening to the Mandatory Challengers with Corey Erdman and Morgan Campbell. All right, Morgan. So I am uh, back in Toronto after a yes. weekend in Mashantucket, Connecticut. And then I got home just in time to watch Canelo Triple G. So we are able to talk about that first. But I wanted to share a story before we even get into that, because we spent an hour and 15 minutes talking about Mayweather McGregor last week. And <laughs> while it seemed like that would be more than enough that we had said it all. Then never go, enough. It's never enough. But also, then I go to Connecticut and uh, I get some added fodder. So like, so you haven't heard this story yet, so let me, let me share this with you. So uh, I was there to call Broadway Boxing... Uh, the Debella Entertainment card And there were a couple of Irish fighters on the card Namely an Irish heavyweight by the name of Niall Kennedy Now, okay. now Ni- Kennedy is trained by Packy Collins Who is the brother of Steve Collins uh, Yes You know, former world champion The man who defeated Chris Eubank, Jr., uh, Chris Eubank Sr. excuse me, uh, twice Legendary Irish fighter uh, And his brother, Packy Collins has, has become quite a renowned trainer in Irish boxing circles Trains a bunch of good uh, Irish fighters. So after the fight, we are back in the hotel lobby, and we run into the Irish contingent, and Collins is there, and Kennedy's there, and I start chatting with uh, with Collins, and obviously, inevitably, the McGregor-Mayweather fight is going to come. Uh, okay. So he reveals to me, and again, this is this is first-hand information from Paddy Collins, and and I haven't dug deeper into it, but we're going to discuss it anyway. According to him, he has been McGregor's bo- boxing trainer, so to speak, for his last couple big UFC fights, namely the Diaz rematch. So he, yeah. sho- so he showed me videos of them training in the gym, and and showed me some pictures and whatnot, and 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 that seemed to be true. And then apparently, because of that, when the Mayweather fight was announced. Naturally, they started training together, and he set up the training camp. So you'll, you'll yes. notice that all of the sparring partners, with the exception of Dashaun Johnson, they were all good Irish amateurs. They were Irish fighters. Yes. Some of them were, were trained by him. So he sets up this training camp, and then apparently Conor McGregor decides, well, I don't need a, a boxing coach. I'm going to go ahead and train with my MMA coach instead, takes all of the sparring partners that were arranged, and hauls off to Las Vegas to have his camp. So that, you know, that. listen, I, 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 if that is true, I cannot endorse that as a particularly good strategy to win a boxing match. <laughs>
1: Unless, but it speaks exactly what speaks exactly what we discussed last week about the arrogance of a group of people who thought that training for another sport. There's there's a saying, and like one of my coaches at the gym says it all the time. Can't remember where he got it from, but basically it goes like this: You're never gonna master the piano by playing the flute. Right. Right. And. All these piano players are saying, Hey man, I understand you want to be good at piano, you better come play this piano. And McGregor's like, nah, I'll just keep playing the flute because it's a musical instrument too. And you know, my, my fingering will be so much better because I played this flute that I'll I'll be better than I'll be better at piano than Oscar Peterson was. Just because I played the flute and doesn't work that way. And I was gonna say they learned the hard way, but listen, and this is why people and this is why I don't feel bad about making fun of Conor McGregor because he got thirty million dollars. So, if we want to keep making jokes at his ex- expense, one, he can afford it because he has thirty million dollars. He can afford all the jokes at his expense. Jokes on him. Two, he has thirty million reasons not to give a fuck what we think. So, hey, keep the jokes coming.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think he really cares what we say. But yeah, to, no. your, to your point, if I have if I have thirty million dollars at my disposal and my objective is to try to win a boxing match, I'm probably going to spend at least $1 (laughs) (laughs) on that camp. I mean, who am I to say? Because I may never see those dollar figures in in total in my lifetime. Who knows? Uh, But, you know, it's kind of like that company that you know is just raking it in and they're still paying their employees under the poverty line. You know? (laughs) It's like, you know, at least give yourself a chance. But... You know, unless, unless he had decided completely that he was never going to win this fight anyway, and he might as well just keep all of his damn money. Mm,
1: or, again, that he decided that uh, all these things he invented, like switching from southpaw to orthodox and full extension of the shoulder joint, things that Boston had, had never thought of before Conor McGregor came along, uh, were going to carry him to a win in this fight, and that he had talked himself into this which is just as likely.
0: So what one of the themes of this show is going to be conspiracy theories in, in boxing. <laughs> and yes, exactly. The, the, the first thing that happens after the Canelo and Triple G fight is a fake news story pops up on my Facebook account about how Conor McGregor has reached a deal to fight Canelo Alvarez. Listen, I- as we transition into this fight, if you watched... Canelo and Triple G and don't think that Connor would get starched in the first round even if you're just being introduced to boxing I, I think you're starting from a point that you may never be able to recover from and I can't teach you anything about boxing
1: well one of the people who shared it onto my timeline on Facebook shared it from the timeline of a UFC fighter named Yoel Romero who if you guys know that I love accents. You guys know I love Yoel Romero because he is a Cuban who now lives in Australia. So when he speaks English, his accent is insane. But, um... It is... It is amazing how boxing has become now, like, this lottery that every MMA fighter wants to hit. Like, look how many people... I think Chris uh, Cyborg has got a boxing license, too. All these MMA fighters are getting... Yeah! And again, if MMA is the preeminent combat sport in terms of prestige... Why are all these? Why are all these MMA fighters getting licensed in the allegedly dead sport um, in an attempt to get paid? Exactly. Because if boxing if boxing wasn't offering more pay and prestige than MMA was, you wouldn't have MMA fighters, quality MMA fighters like Chris Cyborg. These aren't just like uh, these aren't these aren't guys like your man Terry Martin, you know, who are kind of at the fringes of both sport both sports and getting beat up on both sides of that divide. Just to get a little bit of money These are people like um, Chris Cyborg is very well known Among MMA fighters And she, even she's gone out and got this boxing license Hoping probably for a, a, a shot at, at Clarissa Shields Because that's the only type On the women's side That's the fight you could sell that way But it is quite revealing How many MMA fighters now Want to dabble in boxing One, to improve their skills But two, to try to get paid
0: well, in, in the case of Cyborg, and, in, 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 you know, I don't want to linger on this too long before we get into the, uh, the Canelo fight, but in the case of Cyborg, I mean, she's friends and sparring partners with Claressa Shield, so I don't even know if it is necessarily to go after Claressa Shield. So then you really have to think for, you know, as little money as women's boxers make— is it still more profitable for cyborgs to go over and be a female boxer than it is a female MMA fighter? I mean, that is that would be very telling if that were done. T-
1: <laughs> Possibly. It would probably just depend on the size of the card she could land on. But, again, the idea is this is so seductive to so many people within the MMA industry. But, I mean, the problem is if you're going to send Conor McGregor out to be your guy to fight... Alvarez or Triple G. Um, the difference between Alvarez and Triple G both active, both pretty aggressive, one of them very much so. And like old man Floyd Mayweather, who waited around for three and a half rounds before he started doing something, is Stark. And if you watch the fight Saturday, uh as you said, even if you even if the first time you watch boxing was August 26th, and the second time you watched it was September 16th. You'll understand how much shorter that fight would have been given the two guys we saw and the performance they put on last Saturday.
0: Well, let's get into the fight itself, because uh, it, it was a, a tremendous fight, the result notwithstanding. Uh, let's get this out of the way right away. I thought the Triple G won the fight. Uh, Morgan, what did you think?
1: So, I watched it. I had Triple G, seven five. Yep. Um... But as Harold Letterman was running off this streak of Triple G rounds, I thought to myself, there might be a couple in there that are swing rounds. And the first round, I think, especially, was a swing round. Yeah. Um, so if someone said to me, I have it 6-6 six, six Canelo because I gave the first round to Canelo, I'm not going to tell them no. Because that made perfect sense. Like If you value Triple G's forward movement and his pressure, then you give the first round to Triple G. But canelo landed you took when you and and this and this happened in quite a few rounds in this fight even as triple g was landing more punches the punches that you would remember from each of those rounds and when i think back on that fight and just the individual shots that i remember they're all punches from canelo so if he gets a couple of those in a round even if he didn't land as many punches in that round if he lands a big uppercut big left hook big right hand um you know what that could steal a round for him
0: yeah no, I mean and you can't all, all the, discount that. Absolutely, all the I, I would say all the all the highlights kind of come from Canelo. There was one big right hand that I remember from Golovkin landing, although he was he was missing with that wide right hand a lot when Canelo was on the ropes, but landing with other stuff. And back to the first round, that first round is really tricky to score. I mean, the first round is always tricky to score. Because when you're scoring it in real time as fights yeah. are scored, you can't go back with an eraser and and change your score when you're a judge. Uh, and if you're scoring a second time, then you, you kind of have luxuries that you wouldn't otherwise. Yes, it, 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 it's tough to say because basically to to, to really uh, to really dilute this fight, you're, you're you're basically saying, as 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 you mentioned, do you value Triple G's effective aggression or do you? value Canelo's kind of nuance and, and, and his movement in the first round, you haven't been able to see a pattern develop. Yes. So you, you kind of make a quick determination whether you think that Canelo was making triple G chase him or whether triple G was making Canelo run away. And it's easier to see that unfold and to make a determination as to how you feel the the fight is going when you're in the ninth round. But in the first, you kind of have to make a snap judgment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember like going into this fight. This is one of the this is 'cause most fights by fight day I have a pretty good idea of who I think is gonna win. Um and I'm not always right, but whatever, I watch enough boxing that it's I'm right a lot of the time. Not because I'm a I'm any smarter than anyone else, but you know, you get to, like you said, you get to through course through the course of a fight, but also through the course of a person's career, you get to see the patterns and you get to imagine how they would mesh. But this fight here up up to and including the time I was texting you guys saying, text me when the fight starts because I'm at a wedding <laughs> and I'm trying to get home to watch the beginning of this fight, I still didn't know who would win. Because when I watched, because usually if you, even if you watch a guy's previous two or three fights, that'll tell you what, what, who's going to win a lot of the time. The actual fight. But this fight, you know, I saw Kell Brook giving Golovkin a lot of headaches in their fight. Just by being fast and trying to box, but Kelbrook's a lot faster than Canelo Alvarez. I saw Daniel Jacobs give Golovkin a lot of headaches by being long and being tactical, but Canelo Alvarez isn't as long as Daniel Jacobs. So he would have to try to do something. But at the same time, you have seen, you know, Canelo Alvarez. You didn't know if he could hurt a full fledged middleweight. Um, yes, we saw the. The Khan knockout, but, you know, you knew Amir Khan wasn't going to take a punch at 154. He didn't take punches at 147 or 140. And you saw the James Kirkland knockout, same thing. Um, But trying to imagine which of these skill sets would win out was very difficult. And the fight, you know, stayed true to that. Like, this was a very close fight. Like I said, I had it 7-5 Golovkin. But if you told me 6-6, I'd have been fine with it. If you told me seven five Alvarez, I wouldn't necessarily have agreed with it. I would, I wouldn't tell you you were crazy. I'd say, yeah, I see it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would at least, I would at least think that we watched the same fight if you scored yes. a, a seven five. I mean, be, because yeah, if if you do give him that first round and one of those rounds where it seemed like the Golovkin train was really picking up steam, if you give one of those to Canelo on the basis of one of those big right hands. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that you're nuts. I mean, it's, I I think we're definitely watching the same fight. Um, you know, everyone agrees that it shouldn't have been 118 110 for Alvarez, and that leads us into the main topic of this program, uh, <laughs> that being the discussion of uh, of Miss Adelaide Bird. Now, you wanna okay? Oh, uh, well, no. Go ahead before we get into the scoring controversy.
1: Um, well, well, this ties into the scoring controversy because just watching, because I, I rewatched it just now before I got on the phone with you, and at the end of six rounds, and Harold Letterman says, "Hey, I have it four uh, two for Triple G," and Max Kellerman says, "Okay, it could be three three, or it could be four two Canelo," and this is after six rounds, right? So when you think about it being four two Canelo. And and I'm and I agree with Max there because I personally didn't have it four 2 Canelo, but I could have seen how someone could have it four 2 Canelo. Uh, so that means you go into the last three rounds if you give Canelo the last three rounds like I did. There's your seven five decision for Canelo, and this is what really stinks about Adelaide Bird's scorecard is that if her scorecard said seven five Canelo. We wouldn't be having any of these discussions because it would have been a loss for Golovkin, a win for Canelo. It would have been controversial, but it wouldn't. It, would, it definitely would not have been – sorry, no, it wouldn't have been a loss for Canelo. Duh. Same judge. So it just would have been split decision draw. Same right. result. Same outcome. And a lot less discussion about whether or not this was corrupt or, or, or the product of a conspiracy because it's a perfectly – 7-5 Canelo is a perfectly reasonable scorecard.
0: Right. Well, and, and and you and I said the same thing when we discussed the controversy itself. Now, again, <laughs> neither of us agree with the score, but that said, if you are alleging that there was a conspiracy, and that conspiracy was to make sure that Canelo Alvarez didn't lose this fight, at the, at the very least, why wouldn't you, if you're going to fudge a scorecard anyway... Just make it seven five. Like yeah. if, if 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 your if your card again in in the in the world in which this conspiracy theory exists, why wouldn't you just make it a card that doesn't draw attention to itself and wave flags?
1: Well, exactly. Because I'm wondering who these people are that think people who are carrying out criminal conspiracies go out of their way uh, to draw attention to themselves. Because if if this is completely hypothetical, but let's just suppose Adelaide Bird has been paid uh, to score this fight in Canelo Alvarez's favor, and she sees a very close fight unfolding right in front of her. Why would she? Um, why would she go out of her way to turn in a wide scorecard when she could just when she could just score this fight one fifteen one thirteen and call it a night?
0: Right. How how dumb do you think this person is? <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is and this is why when people ask me about it, and I say, this is, no, this is incompetence. Or even if like incompetence really speaks to someone's overall level of skill.
0: Right, which I don't think um, is the case with Adelaide Byrne. We'll get into yeah. that as well.
1: Well, exactly. I think it's more a case of yeah, she had a bad night. Like, a lot of people have bad nights at work. And also, and we can get into this later, just by virtue of where she was sitting, might have seen something, the fight might have looked different to her than it looked to a lot of other people. But to suggest that (laughs) she is going to turn in a crooked scorecard, unless she is like some type of devil agent who actually wants to shine a spotlight on corruption in boxing, so she turns in this crazy scorecard, so everyone has to pay attention to it. But now we're like two and three levels uh, into conspiracy theory, and it doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, especially because... Step one in that conspiracy theory has, hasn't has been proven to have played out since the days when the mob controlled boxing, basically. Like, I, yes. off the top of my head, I can't think of, in professional boxing, a judge bribery scandal. The only scandal, the only time fight bribery and fight fixing was ever convicted in a federal court uh, out of the state of Nevada where this fight happened was when uh, Thomas Williams Jr.'s dad was throwing fights in the heavyweight division. So we have we have one instance of that happening, and it didn't involve judges. And, and, and here's the other thing. It's like, you know, you know we hear this all the time when people come up with media conspiracy theories, right? You, know, you, you hear that all the time. You know, the media is doing all this, but yet you, you and I work in the media and we never see any of this going on. It's, yes. It's, it's similar in the sport of boxing because we're pretty close to the sport. You know, we've worked in various capacities. I've worked at different levels and, and been in every room, every step of the way from the judges being chosen to the gloves being chosen, everywhere. I've, I've seen everything that have been, at, at, you know, privy to every step leading up to a fight and then obviously including the fight and afterwards. And I've never seen this taken place. Now, does that necessarily mean that. Something doesn't happen because I haven't seen it because one person hasn't seen it. No, but no one, no one will be able to tell you that they've seen a judge ever be paid off. It's, you know, it's nothing that we can prove has ever happened. And for people to just come out and make accusations of a federal crime... Is, again, we say this all the time, not something that you would ever see in the reporting of any other sport without very substantial evidence. No. Well, and
1: let's, let's take it, let's walk it back a step. Yeah. Um, because for the people that think this person was paid off to produce a certain outcome, and, and, and I shouldn't have to remind people, but I will, but there are three judges in a fight. Um, and the majority rules. So, if I want to guarantee a certain outcome in a fight, I got to get two of those judges to agree. It doesn't do me any good to pay off one judge, because this is, you're not you're not you don't award the winner by the popular vote. This is the electoral college.
0: Well, the the conspiracy theorist would suggest that it at least increases your chances of winning. But
1: then I'm then I'm still wasting money. Like, am exactly. I buying a result or am I not? Right. <laughs> right, right. Am I am I paying to win the lottery or am I just buying more lottery tickets? Because it's still a lottery. I can still lose. So why don't I just pay to win the lottery? Pay to show me the numbers to the lottery beforehand. Don't pay just to give me more tickets. Right.
0: And um, in, in that, in so if if you're suggesting that they would be willing to just pay off one judge in order to increase their odds, or as you said, just buy more lottery tickets, that's just a waste of money. A it's a waste of money. But then you're also suggesting that. Perhaps they went to other judges who turned it down and that there is this widespread understanding that promoters or someone else will pay off judges and that no one – and that judges on a case-by-case basis decide whether to take the money or not and never say anything. (laughs) Like do you see how like fragile this conspiracy is if it's true? Yeah.
1: Most conspiracy theories are not true. The only reason many conspiracy theories exist is to make the people pushing the conspiracy theories feel smarter than they are. That's all it is. It's just a a way for people to say, I'm smarter than you are because I see through – you guys are just a bunch of sheep taking the first answer that's given to you, man. I have critical thinking skills. I research for myself. That's why the media is lying to you. I'm going to go research this stuff myself. I got my own sources. I read Breitbart – alex jones whatever it is right (laughs) (laughs) same thing here's the thing about conspiracy theorists guys have fun but most of the time you're wrong and you actually are not smarter than the rest
0: of us Uh, you you actually did less research
1: less (laughs) (laughs) because and again because yes because You like the people buying into this conspiracy theory about this fight being fixed are going right past common sense, because, again, if I'm trying to fix a fight, I'm going to buy if I'm buying scorecards here, I'm going to buy two seven to five scorecards rather than buy one. 10 to 2 scorecard, because one 10 to 2 scorecard doesn't mean a thing. These guys sound like Donald Trump and his flunkies making up these stories about uh, fake voters voting for Hillary Clinton, um, voting fraudulently for Hillary Clinton. Like, if I'm, tr- I'm going to vote fraudulently for Hillary Clinton, am I not going to vote fraudulently in, in, a, in, a, in, a high va- in a state that has a high value in the electoral college, but is also closely contested? So why are all these fraud voters going to, going to um, California where, where Hillary's going to win anyway? Like, why aren't these fraud voters going to Ohio? Right. Why aren't they, yeah. Right? Yeah. Are they going to Florida? Because, again, if you're going to buy an election, that's how you do it. If you're going to buy a, a prize fight result, this is how you got to do it. You got to buy two close margins rather than buy one. Hey, he got one, 120, 108 for Canelo. Yay. These, these scores aren't cumulative. It's one score per judge. You, if that's how you tried to buy the fight, you just wasted your money.
0: Well, and also, pe- like people think that they're geniuses by pointing out, you know, they, they say, "Well, I mean, the, the the rematch was already set up. This is this was just to set up a rematch." Yeah, there's a fucking there's a fucking rematch clause. It's, right, it, it's in writing. They told you there's going to be a goddamn rematch unless something wild happens. Of course. How many big fights don't have a rematch clause? Almost none. Exactly. almost none
1: and 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 the 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 conspiracy theory i'm hearing now is that's uh you know because odds dropped on the draw like it was 30 to 1 odds for a draw before the fight and then by the time the fight came those odds had been bet down to 15 to 1 and that there was a lot of money riding on this fight being turning out as a draw and so maybe this is what uh, happened but again that depends that 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 theory rests on a couple of outlandish propositions. The first is that now the three judges are aware of what each one is scoring each round right because how are you going to have a split decision draw unless you know what the other people are going to score exactly and you have to kind of predetermine that beforehand. well, you have one guy winning, I have the other guy winning, i'll make it a draw. And then that because otherwise all three of us gotta have the same scorecard. So it has to be a split decision, or at least a majority decision draw. Um, second of all, why is it so difficult to understand that as a actual literal 50-50 fight approaches, that a lot of people are gonna say, Hey man, this fight is so close, I'm gonna bet a draw. Because these guys are too evenly matched. Why? That's not outlandish at all.
0: No, that's that's far more plausible than uh, alleging a bribery scandal. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, I see people betting on draws. Like, I saw... Like, I was in Las Vegas for the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, and I watched someone bet on, like, a safety as the last play of the game and win $16,000. Why was he right. betting on that? Was that a... Consp- like, did did someone... You know, did <laughs> like did Joe Flacco decide to you know <laughs> chuck the ball in the air? I don't know. I mean, also again, we keep reminding people that that fights are scored in real time. So even if even if your theory rests on the betting line and how it could somehow benefit or somehow includes. Adelaide Byrd within that scheme that's going on where either Adelaide Bird is paid off to help a draw take place or whether she herself has bet on a draw as you said she doesn't know what the other, other judges are scoring and even if she sees a fight unfolding a certain way she can't I mean how would she even know which way to score it until roughly around the seventh round when momentum started to swing it does like it. Just it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how quickly these conspiracy theories unravel when you just tug at that one thread, and you don't even you don't even have to follow it. Just give it a quick tug, and the whole thing falls apart. And when I rewatch the fight, the the other thing you notice is that. Adelaide bird you can see her clearly for the whole fight because she is facing the main camera and so as I'm watching as I'm re-watching the fight I'm trying to imagine what she might be seeing that could maybe sway her and so and when I watch it that way I could I could see giving a couple extra rounds to canelo possibly just depending on what you value and again Golovkin is landing more punches Golovkin is moving forward but when you think about and And this happens in professional boxing because it's not amateur boxing and you're not giving the same weight to every single punch landed. You're allowed to give more weight to more definitive punches. And, like, the big memorable punches um, belonged to Canelo Alvarez. There's uh, a couple of them in the first round that, even though Golovkin landed more punches, the memorable punches came from Canelo Alvarez in that first round. You can give him that one. And then in one and possibly two of the other rounds that most of us had Golovkin sweeping, um, especially just given the angles from which some of these punches landed. And they might have been right in front of Adelaide Bird's face in ways that they weren't in other guys' faces. Um, Now, this is being as generous as possible to Adelaide Bird. Yeah. Because, because even giving her all those benefits of all those doubts, it was really hard. It was impossible for me to get to ten uh, two Alvarez. Yeah, it's still not a but, great
0: scorecard. But as, as no. you, but, but you know, you and I have discussed this offline as well. I don't think Adelaide is, I don't think Adelaide Bird is a bad judge. And, and and the the examples that people are trotting out of Adelaide Bird bad decisions in the past, and people keep citing. Um, the article from 2016 when Carl Moretti in top rank petitioned to not have Adelaide Byrd as a judge on one of their fights, that stemmed from her scoring Magdaleno Donaire, I think 118-110 as well, and the, and the other scorecards were 116-112. So, I mean, that, you know, may, maybe did she score a wide sure, but that's not egregious. The other examples were uh, her having Amir Khan ahead at the time that he got knocked out by Canelo, that's not crazy. I know a lot of people that, that felt that. Yeah, Amir Khan
1: started fast in that fight. He started really that fast a, in that fight. That was an Amir Khan fight where Amir Khan comes out and he dazzles you with his speed. And it takes you a few rounds to get used to Amir Khan's speed. And then you start beating Amir Khan after you get used to his speed. That's, that wasn't super unusual, no. And,
0: and And then the other one, which points to perhaps where the outrage is coming from here and, you know, the, the level of box, boxing acumen of those people was from the Sports Illustrated article about her shady judging past, which cited her scoring Canelo Alvarez, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., 120-108, which is the only plausible score you <laughs> have for that fight. Again, I, I, I just, like, if you look at Adelaide Bird's judging history, or, you know, any judge's history for the most part, the vast, vast, vast majority of their scorecards make sense, if only because the vast, vast, vast majority of boxing matches aren't competitive. But still, most of her scorecards are just fine. You know, all but this one are at least defensible, I would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the and there were people... When Bird was named as a judge to this fight, who said, hey, keep an eye on Adley Bird, she turns in crazy scorecards sometimes. That's true. But every judge, when you look at... You go on BoxRec, you look at every judge, every judge turns in a crazy scorecard every now and then. Because, again, judges are human beings, and sometimes they have bad days at work. It means they had a bad day at work, didn't perform... Up to the standard that they're used to performing doesn't mean that they are crooked. Doesn't mean that they're on the take. And then again, a judge having a bad day makes a lot more sense as a, as an explanation than a judge being paid off to turn in one crooked scorecard, independent of what the other two judges are doing.
0: Well, and, and um, you know, I, I've said this before too. I mean, if we if we're honest with ourselves and we go back and look at fights that we watched in real time over the years. You know, we can all probably think of some stupid scorecards or, or some fights that we saw at the time that weren't really true. Like, I, I can remember. I'm, I'm not a judge. I did play one on TV for quite some time, though. <laughs> uh, but I remember, uh, this is years ago, but I remember watching, remember Devin Alexander, uh, Andre So Vaguely, yes. Uh, it, it, Alexander Katelnik uh, probably should have gone to Katelnik. But when I was scoring in real time, and I think the judges, I, I don't remember the scorecards exactly, but one of the judges might have agreed. With me. When I was scoring in real time, I was kind of mesmerized by what Alexander was doing. He was throwing a lot of punches. I thought it was a complete wipeout for Devin Alexander. When I watched it back, I was dead-ass wrong. Now, I wasn't paid off by Don King to think that <laughs> way and write that way that particular day. I just turned in a shitty scorecard. Well,
1: in the proofs of... Uh And again, here we have an example of, like, confirmation bias, right? Where people want to believe that this bad scorecard is part of a broader pattern. So now they just go seek out results that they think fit that pattern, whether or not they do. So the first proof of Adelaide Byrd's, like, complete and utter incompetence is what? Yeah, this story where some guys are saying, I don't want her on this card because I think she's incompetent. But it's not... Actual proof of her incompetence is just somebody saying it. Right. So it's still a secondary source. It's not a primary source. So, yeah, so then they give us the the, the Chavez, the the Canelo versus Chavez score. But every judge had that 120-108. What else were you going to do in that fight? And then they give me a UFC fight. She had a weird score in the Ultimate Fighter 10 finale. Like, listen, man. It's three rounds. And I I just don't give a shit what happened. (laughs) Don't tell me that anyone gave a shit what happened. And again, to no disrespect to to these UFC fighters whose names I don't even remember, who are who are fighting for a contract to get into the UFC on a at the end of a reality show. But like, they'll pretend that that's as important as a world title fight, and that these fights are are judged as clearly. Don't put that in there,
0: or or that, or that it's relevant to how she scores boxing. You know what else, Adelaide yeah. Bird can't fucking score figure skating, right? So maybe she shouldn't judge MMA. If you want to make that argument, totally fine with it. But it has nothing to do with how she scores boxing.
1: Well, then the other thing is, and here's the other thing about, like, BoxRec, you can look at every judge's record and see what they're scoring. And again, when you look at Adelaide Byrd's record, it's not that different from, like, anyone else's record in that you you click on the person's record and you can see all the fights they've, they've judged. And sometimes you will see fights where they have the outlier scorecard. But So if Adelaide Bird has 100 fights And she herself Is responsible for the Three outlier scorecards There will be eight more outlier scorecards By other people Where her sc- scores look completely normal And that holds for a lot of judges Remember um, you know, like Even judges that we think are bad Remember when your man Paul Malinaji lost to Baby Bull Diaz Well sorry, b- before the fight He said Gail Von, o- Gail Von Oy is going to screw this up and then they don't have the fight. Malinaji performs better in the fight. Von kind of casts the deciding vote to give the fight to baby bull Diaz. And Paul Malinaji said, well, What did I tell you? I told you Von Oi was gonna screw this up. You look at Von Oy's record, same thing. Some outlier scorecards from Vonoy. But if there's ten Von if there's a hundred f- involved fights and ten outlier scorecards, the majority of the scorecards will be from someone else. And it's funny People were trying to pin uh, – they were trying to blame because I got this – a couple of these tweets floated across my timeline and people were messaging me about it. Adelaide Bird, she's the same one that gave Canelo the majority draw against Mayweather. I'm like, no, she's not. That was CJ Ross. right? Like, don't blame – don't put every, every woman judge's bad scorecard on every woman judge that comes along. You can't just – you, you can't collect them all. And then every time a woman a woman judge turns in a bad scorecard, you go blame her for all the rest of them. It doesn't work that
0: way. No, and, and you know what some of this is too. And and, and, and you know my my friend Sarah kind of made this point too. Is that a lot of this outrage from people is kind of it's it, it's suggesting that the sport is impure, but we're somehow above it. And and it, yes. and it's also pointing it's it's highlighting and pointing fingers at you know, people always use the line when when scores like this come in or results they don't like, they always use the line, well, this is what's wrong with boxing. This is what's destroying <laughs> boxing. There are a lot of things that are far worse about boxing. There are a lot of things that are far more dangerous and far more pertinent, and we could go over all of them if we really wanted to than a judge turning in a bad scorecard. And again, I think that it's 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 unfortunate that it diverts attention away from the real ills that that plague boxing this isn't one of them, like Adelaide Bird is not the reason that it, anything bad about boxing exists, it's just, she's just not yeah and
1: I get the I guess I understand that for people to make sense of this they have to look for deeper causes they have to look for deeper meanings it can't just be it's for a lot of people i guess it's intellectually unsatisfying to think that this judge just screwed up right. one day on the job but i don't see why it can't be that like why could it not be that exactly and again when i look let's look at um you know, we'll bring up C.J. Ross again, right? Because she was one of the judges. She and Dwayne Ford had Tim Bradley beating um, Manny Pacquiao. Right? And, I th- and the last fight C.J. Ross worked was uh, Alvarez Mayweather. But again, I bet if I go through her whole um, history as a judge, there will be some outlier scorecards, but she won't be responsible for all of them.
0: Well, what did what did Harold Letterman because you just watched the fight and and you know before the scorecards are read, noted judging expert Harold Letterman uh, who teaches people how to judge fights, uh gives a rundown of the judges and his opinions of them and their their uh their reputations. Did he say a bad word about Adelaide Wir- Adelaide Bird on the broadcast? N-
1: no, but he did say good words about More- Dave Moretti and Don Trella. Right. But he didn't say Keep an eye on Adelaide Bird because she's going to screw this up.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: But and I'm trying to pull up Dwayne Ford's box wreck but the, it's a busted link because when you you go to the fights, the recent fights that he judged, and you click on the judges, it often turns out to be a different judge. So there's it's a busted link on his page.
0: Well, see that that's go, That's Golden Boy Promotions uh, paying off Box wreck to <laughs> right. obscure you from the truth. They, they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know Dwayne Ford's past.
1: Out of all the judges in the world, this is the one they're protecting. And they went through his whole box wreck to make sure that nobody can cross-reference his results. And the problem, too, with that scorecard is that it distracts from what was a really exciting, competitive fight that lived up to the hype. And and then again... If not for the width of that, if the scores in that card, if if not for that one eighteen one ten gap, people would be more willing to see this fight for what it was. And and what it the person who also gets shortchanged is Canelo Alvarez, who otherwise would have been credited for a great performance, win or lose or draw, but now is being treated as if he personally uh, influences judge and. Treated as if he personally went and stole this fight from Gennady Golovkin.
0: Right. Well, and, and and part of it too. And you mentioned how it's kind of intellectually unsatisfying to just accept that that a judge could possibly have a bad day, to accept human error as being a possibility in within boxing judging and within the sport of boxing. I, I, if if you're filing a story about this fight, if you're talking about this fight with your friends, if you're sharing your opinions on on Twitter if you don't write about some kind of conspiracy theory in this fight, you're kind of challenged to actually write about what happened in the fight. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a lot easier if one guy wins or the other guy wins because then you just run with what that means to his career and, and so on and so forth and, and you, you write a story about the, the things that Golovkin, let's say, did well and the, the ways in which Canelo fell short. But if you don't have that, if we don't have a result... We need something. You know, we need something to craft our story around. We need something to yell about on Twitter. And, you know, sometimes you don't need anything to yell about to write a story or to talk about things online. It can just be what it is.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> so now I'm just, I'm like, I'm, I'm in this uh, ju- bad decision rabbit hole, right? Um, remember when Liborio Solis got robbed against McDonald's? Mm-hmm. One of the judges for that fight was Robert Hoyle, right? And again, if Americans cared about fights like Solis and McDonald, then they'd have been losing their minds about Robert Hoyle. Now you could just go back through Robert Hoyle's history and be like, oh my God, Robert Hoyle, you know he scored Diego de la Hoya 100 to 90 against Randy Caballero." I and mean, o- Oscar had to pay him off. Why else would he score two more? Everyone else had it ninety, ninety eight, ninety two. Yeah, Where, does he, for, for, Where does he get off cousin. scoring? This? Oscar's cousin. Exactly. Oscar's cousin.
0: Of course. Follow the trail. Follow the follow the money. Of follow course, the, he's
1: paid off. <laughs> follow the money trail. Exactly. And so now Andrew Tabiti versus Steve Cunningham on the May Gregor undercard, right? Eric Cheek had that fight hundred to ninety for Tabiti. I promise you, that fight was not hundred ninety. 100 to 90 to Tabidi. Tabidi didn't do anything. He just got the decision. And here's Robert Hoyle and Tim Cheatham scoring it 97-93, right? So clearly they were paid by, I don't know, Nazim Richardson yeah, right. <laughs> to, make, to make Steve Cunningham look a little bit better. But you see the point is that every, there are these bad scorecards, but the vast majority of the rest of the people's cards look pretty normal. And then there will be some outlier scorecards, but every judge winds up having them. Also, so b-
0: by the way, if I'm going to have, in my conspiracy, if I'm going to have a crooked judge, his name is definitely going to be Tim Cheatham. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is the quintessential cartoon villainous crooked judge name, is Tim Cheatham.
1: Now, here we go. We got Hoyle, Darylis Perez, and Maurice Hooker on the uh I want to say that was the Canelo Cotto undercard. So now they're on opposite ends of the split decision draw. So Bird has 97 93 for Perez. Hoyle has it 97 93 Hooker. And then Glenn Feldman has it um, 95 95. So clearly those three all got together um, and cooked up this three way split decision draw. Oh, yeah. Because all, oh, here we go. Last one, the fight before, on the he 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 scored two fights, uh, on that Solis McDonald card, because he scored the co-main event, Luis Ortiz and Malik Scott. And do you believe that Robert Hoyle had the nerve to score that fight, one twenty to one hundred five for Luis Ortiz? <laughs> he clearly has a history of bad decisions, and he's being paid off.
0: Of course, he's being paid. Up. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like the, the Maurice Hooker Perez because that was I think that was the undercard of uh, of Ward Kovalev. Yes, yeah, sorry, so, yeah, 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 exactly. So Maurice Hooker, uh, I think was Hooker the uh, the Rock Nation fighter? No, that, those would have been main event fighters. Okay, never mind. Because I was trying to cook up a conspiracy theory where Rock Nation is run <laughs> by Jay Z, so vis a vis Beyonce is involved somehow got involved with the fixing of fights <laughs> and would then well, have Maurice to go Hooker, to federal court. <laughs>
1: Maurice Hooker is from Texas, as is Beyonce. There you go. Hey, listen. Um,
0: obvious. It's right right before your very eyes. Listen, I... But he, yeah.
1: You know what this bad decision does, though? For the rematch. For the inevitable rematch. Um, is Remember last week we were talking about this fight not really having uh, a heel. Not having a bad guy. You just had two, two guys you're trying to sell as a good guy. Now, this time you have a natural good guy because that's Gennady Golovkin who has been wronged by this corrupt sport. And so now he has to go embark on this odyssey to set things right.
0: Yeah, he's, he's he's Hulk Hogan when the crooked referee helped Ted DiBiase win the title.
1: Yes, so he has to go set things right. The only way he knows how, which is to beat, beat people up. And Canelo Alvarez now, if he's smart... He'll wear the black hat, and he will just keep telling Golovkin to stop crying. Stop crying, you baby. You know I beat you last song, and I beat you worse this time. And then if he's willing to wear the black hat, you have a bad guy, um, a quote-unquote Russian, who the president probably loves because he doesn't know a Russian from a Kazakh, against a Mexican who the president and his team hate. Um, You you go sell that fight, and alt-right Twitter would buy it. Of course. Alt-right all boxing Twitter. Well, it's a it, dream matchup.
0: <laughs> you know, and th- and that's the thing, too, is that, you know, whether... Uh, I mean, it c- clearly this was not anyone's intent. I mean, to it's, in our view, this is not anyone's intention was to cook this fight to a draw. But, <laughs> you know, they, they will, whether it was intentional or not, they will monetize everyone's anger. Yep. You know, so even if you think that... If you think this is exactly what they wanted then you being angry about this in in, in conspiracy theory world is just playing into what they want the sheep to do. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. You can take this so far or just (laughs) accept that Adelaide Byrd had a bad night, man. Anyway... Listen, we're about an hour into this, but I know we have some YouTube picks that we want to share here this week. It's going to be a fairly slow week. We are going to have uh, Fury and Parker uh, this weekend. There's an ESPN card as well, but I know next week uh, we want to talk about our favorite old man Cuban boxers who are both uh, getting big opportunities, that being Rigo and uh, Luis Ortiz. We'll get into that next week, but uh, let's get into our YouTube picks of the week. Morgan, I know you've been saving this one all week.
1: Yes, let me... uh, I just want to pull up the guy's box check so I can get the uh, exact date of this fight. But because we're talking about evenly matched 50-50 middleweight championship bouts um, complete with momentum changes and tactical shifts, we're going to go back to another fighter who we talk about who is, again, much spoken about, much rumored. Rarely, 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 rarely seen in the flesh. That fighter, of course, is in shape, James Tony. So, December thirteenth, nineteen ninety-one, in shape, James Tony uh, goes to Atlantic City to face the Body Snatcher, Mike McCallum, uh, for the middleweight title. So, and I'm warning you guys right now: uh, this fight is. Stage in conjunction with Trump Trump Plaza Hotel, so you do see a lot of the forty fifth president of the United States. He's in the <laughs> he's in the he's in the crowd. So try not to look at him, but he's there. And so what you have in this fight, and I'm and I'm just looking at it. It's a top ranked card, and like like the people on the undercard. It's only four fights on the card, but Riddick Bowe's on the card. Bernard Hawkins is in the car, on the card in his 16th pro bout. Um, Charles Murray and Livingstone Bramble are in the co-main event. And for um, alt-right boxing Twitter, I'm not talking about the pseudoscientist Charles Murray that wrote that idiotic book, The Bell Curve. I'm talking about the boxer <laughs> Charles Murray. <laughs> the natural. And... And for people that are just listening for the first time, like, oh, they're probably listening to me talking. So you're going to alienate all the conservatives in alt-right boxing Twitter. Yeah, well, fuck them. They can leave. They were never really welcome here in the first place. So give a shit. Go complain. Y'all. I, and they're lucky because remember what the title of this uh, episode was going to be before this uh, controversy jumped off in the, in, in the, in the Alvarez fight? Uh, what, what were we going to call it? And we were going to call it Mayweather America oh, Great sure. Again because <laughs> Mayweather right. went on this idiotic uh, pro-Trump rant. <laughs> That's right. And we would have had all the alt-right boxing Twitter listening, and they're just mad. Oh, yeah. Because we would have hashtagged it M-A-G-A, and they would have been like, oh, y'all tricked us, you <laughs> libtards. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I digress. So so Tony and McCallum, they face off and this was like remember they cooked up some belt so it's for the IBF middleweight title, but then they also had another belt for like best middleweight of the nineties, even though it's yeah, only right. like <laughs> one year into the nineties. And they brought Marvin Hagler to the fight because he was the middleweight of the eighties. And he's also on commentary with his Boston Black set. And I was saying on, on Facebook the other week, he sounded like the newest, toughest member of New Edition. Uh but he was there and he won't call Mike McCallum McCallum, he calls him McCullum, McCalla, McCullough, everything but his name. But you see in this fight, two master boxers, and what's possible um, when two absolute masters of the craft get together. Um, and just the, the the layers of skill and expertise and fighting spirit, these two guys are able to bring out of each other. Um, and the reason why this fight is so special, too, is because it's in shape James Tony, and you didn't see a lot of that guy... Um, Ever, especially at this point in his career. Because uh, remember what happens to James Toney, I think it is, yeah, in his very next fight. He nearly loses the title to a guy named Dave Tiberi. And this is one of these fights where James Tony he makes weight, but he is not in shape at all. And just trudges through this fight. Really should lose the fight. Loses by, wins by a split decision, but he, you talk about bad decisions, this was one. And Dave Tiberi winds up quitting boxing rather than continuing to fight because of this crazy decision. But the previous fight, Tony, in-shape James Tony versus Mike the Body Snatcher McCallum, Uh, block it out, block out just a solid hour um, and watch this fight and it will not disappoint
0: you. Which is still a fight uh, that I know boxing trainers show their young fighters and want them to fight when they just want to show them. Like, this is how it's actually done and nobody cares that it was a draw, everyone's okay with it, no one was bribed, uh, it's all right, and by the way... I don't know, man, my
1: my eyes on Gary Merritt, he had it uh, 1612, <laughs> for Gary the body Merritt. stature. Is by he the secretly way, Jamaican, huh? Who, who paid him off? By the way, in defense of... Uh, of must have been Screwface, Screwface put him off, it must paid have him been. off. <laughs> On behalf of the Jamaicans, that's the only thing that makes sense.
0: In, in defense of James Tony and his weight fluctuation, listen, if your mom ran the best pie shop in Ann Arbor <laughs> throughout your entire life, listen, Margie, listen, you have a baker in the family as well. Imagine if you had to pay no, hey, weight wait, on a regular wait, basis. Wait, Good luck.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I do not have a baker in the family. I have a pastry chef a in pastry the family. A pastry
0: chef in the family. Okay, okay.
1: That's like that's like saying to a boxer, oh, you fight because you do MMA. Like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. They don't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, I am going to add to our uh, YouTube playlist. We're, we're, we're going to stir the pot with the with the conspiracy theorists. We're going to add Ray Mercer versus Jesse Ferguson number one, and we're going to add it because there were allegations of Mercer trying to pay Jesse Ferguson a hundred thousand dollars to throw this fight. Because why? Well, if Mercer had won this fight, he was supposed to then go on and face Riddick Bowe in a a very high-profile, big-money, heavyweight title fight. So the allegations were that Mercer tried to pay off Jesse Ferguson, and it actually went to the DA in Manhattan. Eventually, Mercer was found not guilty, but Jesse Ferguson gave some fairly humorous testimony, painting this picture of of Mercer coming up and offering him the cash— Uh, listen, you guys, go back, read the stories, read the court transcripts, go ahead and watch this fight, and come to your own conclusions, uh, about why this fight went the way that it did.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna guess because, uh, Ray Mercer, um, still depressed from his loss to Larry Holmes, showed up out of shape. Uh, Not having seen this fight, that's my guess.
0: (laughs) And you might might be correct. (laughs) You might might be correct. (laughs) All right, that does it for this edition of the Mandatory Challengers. We thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, Everyone who subscribes to our podcast, we thank you already. If you haven't yet done that, you can subscribe on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, I believe, and anywhere That podcasts are found If you're on I was gonna say If you're on iTunes Give us five stars And a nice comment as well
1: You know what's the other thing We should do Corey And we should probably do this At the top of the Um Podcast next time Is tell people That as you're listening man Like Discuss it Tweet at us Um And use the The hashtag TMCPod TMCPod Yes So we know You're talking about us Um and again, it might be Conor McGregor fans calling this racist. That's fine. Yeah, that's
0: all right. Yeah, I mean, uh, any engagement,
1: any engagement is good engagement.
0: As, as as they say in the web community, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, I am I am at Corey underscore Erdman. He is at Morgan P Campbell. Get out us on Twitter yes. and do exactly that. That does it for this edition of the Mandatory Challengers. <laughs> Morgan, go ahead and hit him. Hit him with the bell.
1: Ding ding. Ray... Raymers.